0: If you've been with us this past month and you know that we've dedicated this time to talking about the importance of being a people of repentance dr marty certainly has done a marvelous job offering great teaching on various aspects of repentance she has hit it from about every angle that there is and then most everything coming from this pulpit has had that focus as well and we've honestly been encouraged as a pastoral team to hear Um, your testimonies, your emails of response to this call to repentance. uh, It's been overwhelming to see and your response to the service last night. And just to see how God is working in the lives of Bethesda as we make the decision to change our minds and then take the action to turn around and go in the opposite direction. So with what I trust is... Uh, great sensitivity both to the Holy Spirit and to the heartbeat of this fellowship. It seems appropriate to me to take a look at the other side of repentance and have the discussion about the importance of staying strong in the faith. Lord, I just ask that your grace be upon your word today. We thank you for your written word. Thank you that it still guides us, directs us. Lamp unto our feet, light unto our path. So let your grace be upon us, for we say it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we've discussed most every Sunday of this month what repentance is, what it is not. You've heard us say it over and over. According to the scripture, repentance is not merely an emotion. It is a decision, a changing of the will. Emotions may follow, probably will. That is to be expected, but the emotions, that is not the terms of repentance as I just mentioned what those terms are. But here's our reality. Because we're humans, we rely quite heavily on our emotions because we like to feel a certain way. We certainly like to feel the presence of the Lord, do we not? We like to feel His guidance and direction. We like to feel His comfort and His peace and to feel the assurance of sins forgiven. But I have a question for us today, and it's this, how do you stay strong in the faith even after you've repented? How do you stay strong in the faith, particularly when God appears to be silent, staying strong when God seems to be silent? And haven't we all had those seasons where it seemed like God was silent? Uh, If that's not happened for you yet, just keep breathing because your time is coming soon, I promise you. So our text today, if you have your Bible or your device, obviously we'll be projecting it, but I always love to see you with your Bibles. Our text today is Psalm 89, the 89th Psalm, where we will begin with verse 35, if you want to find it. Psalm 89, verse 35, talking about staying strong in the faith on the other side of repentance, particularly when God seems to be silent. When we look at this psalm, what we find here is that it is written in what we would call in our English language the third person. It is probably written, uh, the best we can understand, by someone named Ethan the Ezraite who only has a couple of mentions in Scripture. Here's what we do know about Ethan the Ezraite who is used as the psalmist for this 89th Psalm. I think his brother wrote the 88th Psalm, if I remember right from my studies. Ethan, though, he was a musician in David's reign. Uh, and not only that, but he was known for his wisdom. In fact, it is said of him that he had set the bar high for wisdom in the land of Judah uh, until Solomon came along and was sort of, you know, became the, the leader in that. And I got to thinking about for the, for that for just a minute. Musician wisdom. Musician wisdom. Wisdom. You're, you're nodding your head in agreement. <laughs> How could these things be? Sorry, I've, I've just lived in that world for a long time. It is believed that this psalmist, Ethan, wrote this psalm in his old age, when troubles were coming thick and heavy upon the dynasty of David and upon the land of Judah. Uh, When you trace the history of it, that seems to be the case in his latter years was when he wrote it. In this psalm, we see Ethan is observing what is happening to David. Again, he's in the third person here. Uh, he's observing what's happening to David, but he. But when we start at verse 35, we're going to see him right there. The psalmist echoing the words of God and the promise of God, what God had given to David before then we see David's condition. So we're seeing him at verse 35. He says, he says this, and he's echoing God's words. These are really, the, this is really the Lord speaking. I have sworn an oath to David, and in my holiness... I cannot lie. His dynasty, referring to David's, will go on forever. His kingdom will endure as the sun. It will be as eternal as the moon, my faithful witness in the sky. When you go home tonight, if the clouds permit and and the moon is visible, why don't you look up and say, there's God's faithful witness in the sky tonight. So God says... In this part of the psalm when he's speaking, he says, "...by my very character I swear to David that I'm going to do something through him whereby there will be a ruling and a reigning and the establishment of a kingdom such as the world has never seen before." Now, here's what we know. God always keeps His word. God always keeps His promise. But for some reason, in his mercy and in his loving kindness, God condescended to give David this extra special guarantee of his faithfulness to him in respect to the promises that he had specifically given to him. He says, I've sworn an oath to to, to David. He's restating it. God is giving it to him again, just in 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 a special grace that he gives to him. But then the psalmist After quoting the words of God and God's promise to David, the psalmist then observes the reality of what's happened to David. He says this, but now you have rejected him, speaking of the Lord, you've rejected him and cast him off. You're angry with your anointed king. You have renounced your covenant with him. You have thrown his crown in the dust. You've broken down the walls protecting him. And ruined every fort defending him. Everyone who comes along has robbed him and he has become a joke to his neighbors. You have strengthened his enemies and made them all to rejoice. You have made his sword useless and refused to help him in battle. You have ended his splendor and overturned his throne. You have made him old before his time and publicly disgraced him. Oh Lord, how long will this go on? Will you hide yourself forever? How long will your anger burn like fire? Remember how short life is and how empty and futile this human existence. No one can live forever. All will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. Lord, where is your unfailing love? You promised it to David with a faithful pledge. So we've now read the text. But just for emphasis and to help point out a couple of things, allow me to paraphrase this uh, condition of David as presented to us and as as observed by the psalmist Ethan. And please keep in mind that we read of David's condition right after we're told the very words of God regarding what David's future is supposed to be as opposed to, juxtaposed to, what his condition is now. His, his, his future was supposed to be a dynasty that would go on forever, a kingdom that endures as the sun. And by the way, it's worth noting that this psalmist could not have possibly known that it would be through the lineage of David that Christ Jesus would be born and and that through Christ the church would be born and would be established. And and so he could not have seen what was going to take place. He only knew of the promises he heard. and, And then the church would be drawn into the heavens whereupon we would rule and reign with Christ for all of eternity. He couldn't possibly have known that. But the psalmist obviously remembers those early days of David's reign and the words of God that had been spoken over David. He's got some understanding of this. Even though now, looking through his natural eyes, it would appear to the psalmist that every promise that God had given to David had been taken away. That's what he sees right now with his natural eyes. Now, let me say this. Anytime we take a snapshot, of one period of time, got my picture? Anybody know what that is? What is it? It is a Kodak Brownie camera. Now, if my sweet wife were here, she's on a plane right now getting back from Georgia, but if she was here, she would be so proud of that because she still wants her Brownie camera back. She still wants me to go to the drugstore and get some 35 millimeter film for her Brownie camera. Bless her heart. She, uh, it's that square, remember it was square and it took nice little terrible pictures. But... um. But I I found that late last night talking about this idea of taking a snapshot because we do that. We take a snapshot of one slice of time and it can easily appear to be something other than what the larger picture will ultimately reveal. Your snapshot doesn't give the whole picture. It may not even give hardly a percentage of it. You got to be careful with those snapshots so here's my paraphrase in light of that idea. Here's my paraphrase of what we are told of David's condition. And by the way, I'm paraphrasing it for you. Because I want you to look and see exactly what's going on with David. I want you to know the promise of God that was for him. He was going to have a dynasty and a kingdom that would rule forever. And yet, look at the condition he's in. Let me, let me paraphrase it. Let me see if anybody, any of you check any of these boxes, okay? The snapshot would make it appear that God had rejected him. The snapshot would make it look like God had cast him off and that he's angry with David. Some of us have felt that way. The snapshot would say this, God has thrown David's crown in the dust and removed everything that was protecting him and removed everything that was defending him. Some of you go and check. The snapshot would say, everybody robs and steals from David, and he's now the laughing stock of the community. David's enemies have been strengthened by God himself, and, and God has even made David's enemies to laugh at him. David used to laugh at his enemies. Now they're laughing at him. And the blade of his sword, you couldn't cut butter with it. It is dulled, and God will no longer help him in ba- That's what, in battle, that's what the snapshot looks like. And I bet some of you have checked a few of those boxes as I mentioned it. So then it says, "God, how much more of this? How much more of this public disgrace? How long will you hide yourself from me?" You know, God, I'm no spring chicken. I don't. I don't know how much time I, I have left. I, life is pretty short. And Lord, where is that loving kindness and those great promises that I I knew so well, it all seems to have evaporated or, or slipped through my fingers like sand. That's what the snapshot of life in this season is telling the psalmist regarding the condition of King David. And church, sometimes, even after a great season of repentance, such as we have gone through this month, such as we are experiencing now, we can have uh, an expectation of how we should feel. We get that all built up, I should feel this, I should feel that, when the truth is, our reality is, what our natural eyes see is a snapshot of conditions for ourselves which very closely resemble what David was experiencing. I should feel something different at this time, but what I really feel is rejected. I feel no response from God, It's as if the heavens are brass. I feel all things that were, anything that was protecting me is no longer, I'm vulnerable to anybody and everything. I I have no defense. I'm laughed at. I'm I'm scorned. And the the blade of my sword is dull. I'm not even able to engage in battle because I have no effective weapon. But in those seasons particularly in those seasons, it is vitally important that we stay strong in the faith, always remembering that we walk by faith and not by sight. And that even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. And the snapshot that we do see is neither true nor is it real in light of God's eternal purposes. Therefore, we must stay strong in the faith even when it appears to us that God's voice is silent. Now, if it does appear that God's voice has become silent, there could be reasons for it. I'm going to give you three. Three possibilities. There are others, but there's at least three. First of all, one reason it could be that some of you may be experiencing the silence of God is this. There is an appointed time. For what God has spoken to you for your promise to be fulfilled. There is an appointed time, and it kind of works like this God has already spoken to you, He has already given you His word. And can I just say it plainly? There is no need for Him to repeat Himself. Thank God that the book of Genesis doesn't say this And God said, Let there be light. I said, let there be light. Didn't happen that way. Why? Because God doesn't have to repeat himself. And there are workings in the heavens which we simply don't understand. How many of you know there's a a spirit realm around us? And there's all kinds of things taking place that we don't see and can't understand. But here's what we know to be true. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And if you and I had been there on that first day when God said, let there be light, I'm guessing if we had been there living uh, in overwhelming darkness, just like the darkness of our souls before Christ redeemed us, and we're there, and suddenly at 6 a.m., the sun came up. Because God had commanded it to do so. And we danced and we rejoiced and we lived in the light. It was wonderful. This is the way it's supposed to be. Hallelujah. God is God. He's on the throne and the sun is obeying him. And then 6 p.m. came and the sun went down. You know what you and I would have said? We probably would have said, I knew it wouldn't last. I just I just knew it was night. I knew it would. I, I I knew it would go away. There's no way it could be I, that could that could last. Maybe maybe it's something. What, what do you think? Something we did. Did we not pray enough? Did we not read the word? Something we did wrong. And the light goes down. Whereupon then we spend the next 12 hours in sorrow until the light comes back up again. And that's when we realize that when God said, "Let there be light." What he did not mean is that there would never be night. Let that sink in for a minute. He did not mean that we would be without seasons where we don't see or that we don't see clearly. We will have those seasons. He did not mean that we would be without seasons uh, or, or that we, where we didn't understand or are limited to the snapshot that we do see. There is an appointed time. And here is the thing we have to guard against church. Those In those times, we must resist the temptation to make something happen just to prove to ourselves and to others that God is with us. That is the temptation. Because we probably broadcast to others the promise of God in our life. We received it. We rejoiced in it. It was wonderful. We wanted the world to know. We thought it was happening in the next 10 minutes. It was going to be wonderful. And it's not it hasn't happened that way. And so what we're tempted to do is I got to make something up here. I got to manufacture something to prove to everybody and, my, and you know, all of my family and all of my friends that God really is with me. And that I, 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 wasn't, I didn't want to be made a fool of by that promise that I, that I received. We have to resist the temptation to try to make happen what God has spoken because what God has spoken will come to pass at his appointed time. All we can do is hear his voice and hold on to what he has spoken to us. And I want you to know this, and I speak this specifically to some of you today. If God has said he's going to bring your family home, I want you to know he's going to bring your family home and there's no question about it. It's a done deal. No matter what your snapshot looks like today. No matter what the reality is uh, of the truth of your family today. If he said he's going to use your life, then he's going to use your life. But it will be on his timetable and not yours. If God is going to use you as a weapon for his glory, then you've got to remember that a sword is not formed in a hammock. It is formed on an anvil. There's going to be heat. There's going to be hammering. There's going to be bending. There's going to be shaping. And it's going to take time. And you and I will cry out, God. I thought you said you were going to use me for your glory. Jesus, help me. Because it looks like the enemy has a hold of my life, and the enemy is beating me and and destroying me. And the Lord says, no, I told you that I was going to use your life for my glory, but I'm not going to use you until you are ready. Folks, you don't give a chainsaw to a child. They'll hurt themselves with it. There must come growth. There must come wisdom. There has to be skill developed. There has to be instruction and training and and trial and error and all of that. But let us not forget the words of the prophet Habakkuk in chapter 2, verse 3 of that book where he said, This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Bethesda, if God spoke it to you, this is not the day to doubt him. This is a day to believe that what God said he would do, God will do. He will do it at his appointed time. Somebody say, bless the Lord. The writer of the Hebrews says it to us and encourages us this way. So cast not away your confidence. Don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward that it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. And then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and he will not delay. God has an appointed time to answer you. And that is one possible reason for god's silence i'll just throw this in so often it has been my experience that his timing uh for stepping in is at the point that you and i realize we can't do it on our own when we've tried everything how many of you have done that before i have you tried to fix it you tried to manufacture it you've tried to make it work And we've tried everything, we've pushed every button, we've clicked on everything there is to click, we've knocked on every door, and it seems hopeless. And then suddenly, at that moment, God shows up to do what only he can do so that the excellence of the power might be of God and not of us, according to the Apostle Paul. Second reason that God can appear to be silent is because of this. The answer is coming. It's on its way. Say that with me. Although, although it may be meeting a form of resistance which neither you nor I can understand, there are some battles in the heavenlies that we don't see and we can't comprehend them. Let me give you an example. Daniel sought the Lord and an angel came to him in response. And here's what the angel said. Don't be afraid, Daniel, because since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your request has been heard in heaven. We heard you the first time in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archa- arch- archangels, came to help me. They called in the big boys. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the king, kingdom of persia to whoop his tail it's word a little different than king james (laughs) church sometimes it's just a mystery to us god's silence is a mystery to us can't understand i can't understand neither can you but the word does make it clear that at times the voice of god is hindered due to a battle going on of which we know nothing now at other times The hindrance is inside of us. Why? Very simply because we've allowed other voices into our hearts that have been put there to resist the voice of God. We've allowed that. It is so important, my brother. It is so important, my sister, that you and I are careful what we are listening to and who we are listening to. Can I get an amen? Some people live by the philosophy. Well, I saw it on Facebook. It must be true. Here's what we would say. Hang around with people of faith. Be around people who speak in tones of faith to you. I, I think we can all be more careful of how much media we are taking in, including all the news channels that are available to us today. Because it's entirely possible that you end up with a war going on inside of you against the voice of God. And let me just be blunt about it. It's because you open the door and you let them in. And there's a war going on that is speaking against the voice of God. And that's exactly why the Apostle Paul addressed this idea with the Philippians when he said, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble... Whatever things are just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of a good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Do these things and the God of peace will be with you. It is important that we keep our minds on the things of God. Because the third reason that the voice of God can appear to be silent is this. God may be using his silence to get your attention. It's possible. We are so active and so busy going, going, going all the time, just spinning from here to there. It would almost appear at times that God simply draws back, folds his arms, and he's saying, Well, I'm just going to wait till she runs out of gas. Just let her keep going. Look at her. She just, isn't she busy? Look at that. Bless her heart. She's just as busy as she can be. I don't have a hope of getting her attention. And she's running to God, asking for this, asking for that. And you know what? Instead of going into the prayer closet to tell God what he should be doing, we finally go into the prayer closet to say, Lord, would you speak to me? What do you want to tell me? Have you ever been in a situation where you really needed to say something to somebody? Something you need to tell them. Probably a close loved one, spouse, a, a child, or a very dear friend. You tell, I really need to talk to you. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned for this or I, I want to see this happen. I need, I really, can, we, can we just talk heart to heart and spirit to spirit? And so what happens is we finally get to the point where we can come before the Lord and say, Lord, would you you speak to me? I will quiet myself. I will unbusy myself, if that's a word. I will put myself in a position to be exposed to and vulnerable to whatever it is that you have to say to me. There must be some purpose to this thing in my life that I'm dealing with, and I want you to know I am now at the point, I'm ready to do what you would have me do, say what you would have me say, go where you would have me go. And so, Lord, I... I, I want to thank you for your silence. Oh, wow, 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 wow. There's a concept. When's the last time you thanked God for his silence? The last time you said that that was a, that you saw that as a good thing. Even though you've been this long, I, just, I haven't heard from the Lord. i prayed and prayed. I've done this. and Usually we're woe gone about the whole thing. When's the last time you thanked God for his silence and took that position? Lord, I thank you for your silence. If this is your way of getting my attention, then you've got it. Because I want to hear what you have to say. Speak to me. Let me ask you this: Have you ever had a child that won't listen to you? Show of hands. Probably easier to say: Have you ever had a child that did listen to you? That might be easier. And so what 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 happens? You, you reach the point where you just stop speaking because you know there's no point to it. They're not going to listen. You know, you, and you just decide, I'm just going to let them go their way and do what they want to do because I know full well that it's all going to lead to a dead end. And maybe at some point in the future, they might be willing to listen to you. I, I'm going to tell you this. If you're the parent of a teenager right now, you don't know squat, whatever squat is. You don't know it. <laughs> That's the way they view you. Now, you're going to get smarter in the next few years. You don't even have to do anything to do it, to get smarter. You're just going to get smarter because they're going to suddenly see you in a different, I, I just encourage you, just wait. That day is coming. And you know what? That was exactly the situation for King David in 1 Samuel chapter 30. This, this is the same David who all of those promises about his future and his dynasty and his kingdom that we opened up with in Psalm 80, 89, that David, all that was given to him. He was given a promise that a lineage would be established through him which would never be taken away. His life would produce a dynasty, a royalty. He had a clear word from God, a moment when the Holy Spirit would come upon him and give him strength and wisdom that he knew was not his own strength or wisdom. And he started out, oh boy, did he start out strong, defeating a lion, a bear, and a giant. And then he started out leading an army, going into the enemy camp and slaying tens of thousands and it seemed like there would be no end to what God was doing with his life. It was, it was he had the mightest touch, we might say. Everything he did was successful, going strong. He had a rhythm established and it went and it went and there was no end to what. And then a moment of silence came. That moment where God was not speaking as he once did. Even when he was praying and he was worshiping and he was leading others. And then the moment of silence came. And here's what happened. It's when he lost confidence in God. He was counting on that repeated word. He was counting on being told again and again what the promise was. And he lost confidence in the words God had formerly given him. And he, so what happened, that led then into a season of walking in his own reasoning. He moved into trying to guide life by his own wisdom and solving his problems with his, with his own strength and bringing about what he thought should be happening by all the natural means that were available to him. That's what we humans do. And guess what? All this resulted in a time of incredible loss and incredible sorrow and everything being royally messed up and he recognized that he had made, he was the one who had made a mess of everything because of choices that he made when he deemed that God was being silent. If we conclude God is being silent, we will dramatically change how we approach everything that we're doing. But then he came to the point of realizing, God, I see now. I failed to trust you. You know what, God, I forgot? I forgot that you are not a man who can lie. I forgot that you don't have to repeat your promise. I forgot, Lord, that you don't have to repeat your promises to me every day. I forgot that what you say you're going to do is what you are going to do, and nothing and nobody can change that. I forgot that, Lord. And the Scriptures tell us that finally... David encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And he comes back to the true source of his strength. So now, church, what do you do when God appears to be silent? What do you do when it feels like how we say it, the heavens are brass? Somebody closed the door. You've repented of your sins. You've made your petition known but the heavens seem to be closed. I'm gonna tell you the very same thing that I have to tell myself every time despair knocks at my door. And it's the same thing David did. Here's what you do, It's very, very simple. You go back and you remember how faithful God has been to you. No, I'm serious, not just a casual thought. You go back, you look back over your life Even if it takes you a while to figure it out and identify, that was the faithfulness of God in my life. You go back and look at how faithful God has been. You go back and you remember the words that he first spoke to you. You go back and recall the promises that that were made to you. You go back and remember the victories you've experienced that you know full well. It had to have been the Lord who did that. You could never have done it in your own strength. And then in the process of that, why don't you go back and sing the song, Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. And you acknowledge before the Lord, God, I took a snapshot. And it sure seemed like you were being silent to me. But I recognize there is an appointed time for your word to be fulfilled. I will recognize today the answer is on its way. It is coming. Though it may seem for a season that the promises you've given me have been overpowered by circumstances. It could appear to me that your plan has been thwarted. It could appear to me that you've changed your mind. Here's what I stand on today. And here's what I know to be true. It's this. You're the God who created the universe by the word of your mouth. You are the God who called dead men out of the grave. You are the God who called things that are not as if they are. That's who you are. That's the God I'm trusting in today. You are the God who cannot and will not lie. And in that moment of remembrance, because that's exactly what David did, he turned back to prayer and the voice of God became clear again and brought him into the victory that had always been his. You thought you haven't gotten the victory, whatever that means to you. You thought that that was completely gone. Church, we are to stay strong when God appears to be silent simply because the victory is still ours. It has not been taken away from you. I have a word for us today, and it's very simple, and it's this. All is well. All is well. Your future is still the future that he prescribed for you. What God gave you back then is what's still true for today. You've not lost it even by a few mistakes you've made along the way. That's not how God works. And because you have returned to Him with all of your heart in full repentance as David did. Now, listen to the rest of the story as David writes this psalm at the dedication of his house. This is after all the mess, after all the trials, the difficulty, the darkness, the confusing times. And he writes this Psalm 30 I will exalt you, Lord for you have rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. Oh Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you restored my health, hallelujah, hallelujah. You brought me up from the grave, O oh Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. That's the testimony of a few in this house today. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only but a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O oh Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. I cried out to you, O oh Lord. I beg the Lord for mercy, saying, what good is it? What do you gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? yes. David faced a season where God hid his face from him. It seemed in the natural that God was no longer there. And he said, all I could see was sorrow and death and decay and destruction and the foolishness of my ways. When you had all along been promising me a reigning victory. But I cried out to you, Lord. Verse 10. So hear me, Lord. And have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. For you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Bethesda, you want to know how to stand strong in the faith on the other side of repentance? You want to know how to stand strong when God seems to be silent? And that's a season some of you are facing right now. Well, David has just given it to us in this song. He says, I will sing praises to you and I will not be silent. I will sing praises to my God and I will not be silent. What are we saying? Though God may seem silent to me, I am not going to be silent to him. Even in this season, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to praise him. I'm going to glorify him. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to magnify him. I'm going to lift up his name. That's what I will not be silent. And not only that, I refuse to focus on all the things that I don't have. All the stuff I keep running to the Lord with. I need this. I want that. And this needs to happen. I'm going to not focus on that. I'm not going to focus on all the victories that are not yet won in my life. No, sir. I'm going to look back at how faithful God has been. Even when I was faithless, he's been faithful. And thanks be to God, I have a song in my heart that cannot be taken away. Blessed be the Lord. You know what, church? We have something eternal established within us. Not with men's hands, but with the very hand of God. For we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Somebody shout hallelujah today. Somebody shout hallelujah. We have the one who is seated at the right hand of God. It is he, Jesus. There's no mountain, there's no valley, there's no weapon of hell, there's no demonic power, there is nothing formed against us which can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. No, sir, I will not be silent in the presence of God. I will not be silent among God's people. For here's why, God has been faithful to me. God will be faithful to me. God will keep me. God will deliver me. God will take me home in victory. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God forever. Blessed be his name. I will not be silent. And I recommend you don't be silent either. So let the church rejoice in the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Come on, bless his name right now. Hallelujah.